Hello, and welcome to Breadcrumbs, a podcast brought to you by Trace Labs. It's our mission here to facilitate OSINT for everyone. We'll be hearing from industry experts, community leaders, and everyday people about the tools, topics, and techniques that will make your OSINT collection better. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breadcrumbs. I'm joined today by Jake Kreps. If you're not on his mailing list, you're going to want to be by the end of this show. Jake, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, You and I had the pleasure of doing a webinar late last year. And ever since that webinar, I've been wanting to pick your brain about something. So if you'll indulge me, I would love to talk to you about what I call alternate social media platforms. Is that something you'd be okay discussing with me? Yeah, absolutely. I've spent uh, quite a bit of time in that space over the last few months um, for a variety of reasons and more on, more than happy to unpack that and kind of get your take on it as well. That's great. So our entire webinar was all about sock puppets, you know, setting up social media accounts for the purposes of an OSINT investigation. And most of our investigations over at Trace Labs center around what might be considered like the big three or four, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and then a few others that are kind of up and coming. But like those big ones that are kind of gimmies when you're talking about people OSINT. My question for you is what comes after Facebook? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think to your point, a big portion of the reason why people often focus on the big platforms that are, you know, data rich is that there's not a whole lot of history with some of these alternate social medias. And so it's very difficult for you to look back in time because a lot of times the really valuable information comes with historical context. If you're looking at alternate platforms that are, you know, rising in popularity, whether it's something more on the fringe like Parler and Gab or something more mainstream like TikTok, um, you only have a small sector of time to look at. You know, you don't find platforms that are, or pages rather, that are seven or eight years old. You don't find data-rich profiles that contain family members and employment history and things like that that you might find on Facebook or LinkedIn. And so it's kind of difficult and sometimes intimidating to go to those platforms to seek information. But as we move along and we start to see more of a diaspora of users across different types of social media platforms and kind of a more mature stance in social media in general across the board, it's going to be really valuable for you to, you know, expand your mindset and go to these other platforms to find information because missing one key piece of information um, could be, you know, detrimental to an investigation. I definitely agree with that. Something else that I've noticed um, just trying to get a feel for the landscape is it feels like it's accelerating. Um, if you look back to the beginnings of Facebook in the early 2000s, and then there was Twitter, and then there were some other ones that came up and then fell. Um, Instagram hasn't been around that long, um, but you know it's pretty established. But I feel like in like the last two or three years, I've seen this explosion of alternate platforms, and it feels like it's only getting faster and faster and faster. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think in many ways, the model's already been proven with, you know, the precedent with Facebook and whatever. And so a lot of these people are taking these models 
they're finding, you know, aspects of them that they don't like or ways that they can improve. And they're just plugging and playing. And if you look at, you know, some of these um, alternate social media platforms, in many ways, they share many of the similar features that you might see on some of the mainstream ones. Parler in particular looks like a clone of, I guess it's a mixture of Reddit and Twitter all in one. And so I think what they're doing is, you know, because these models have already been proven over a very long period of time, they don't have to spend a ton of time discovering what users want. And as a result, they're able to create these platforms, essentially just reskinning a lot of these um, older ones practically overnight. And then all the, the main uh, challenge is getting users to come to that platform instead. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess I never really thought about it, but at least as far as we know now, there are only so many types of social media. You know, there's, you're going to have to post something. Okay. Is that ephemeral or is it not? Is it video or is it pictures? Um, is it text or is it not? Um, the, there really aren't that, there is a finite way for social media to work successfully. Um, so that's pretty interesting. You see a lot of Twitter clones, a lot of hybrids, like you said, you know, part Reddit, part Twitter, um, which probably makes it even easier to drive that acceleration that I've seen like, okay, Hey, Twitter works. Let's make it Twitter or, you know, let's make it Instagram. Um, so with all these different platforms, it can seem very daunting to know where to begin. Um, at a high level, could you maybe speak to the different categories of these platforms and kind of like how you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the question is why do people ever leave the mainstream, right? Why do people ever leave Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of their friends are there, all of their connections are there. You know, why would they ever go to this other thing or, or try this experimental new platform? So I think in many ways, you know, that's the question. Why do people leave? And once you find out that reason, you can find out where they're going and, you know, why they're going. Um, so in many ways, it really depends. So with some of these newer clones of platforms, things like Gab and Parler and Minds, and in many ways like Mastodon, there's a particular type of user that goes to those platforms. Whereas you have other platforms like TikTok and Clubhouse and Snapchat that are mobile first and sometimes mobile only. And those attract another demographic that you know, may not even own a laptop or a desktop. And finally, there's other you know, platforms that may not even be social media, but they are the exchange of information. You find stuff like Signal, WhatsApp, Telegram, Discord, Slack, Rocket Chat, those types of things. You even start seeing the bubble up of, um, of like P2P is kind of coming back. There's something you know, that's trending called Utopia. That's kind of a, a client you have to download where it's almost like a Reddit inside of a desktop client. So it really depends on the type of user. I mean, you have people migrating for uh, political reasons, right? You know, they're being censored on, on mainstream platforms or, you know, removed altogether. Or they have the perception that they are, you know, the, the concept of shadow banning and things like that. And then you have other, you know, users that, like, like I mentioned, they don't even have the technology to facilitate something like um, Twitter and Facebook in the way that it was designed to. I mean, you still see some people on Instagram, which is very much mobile first, but the big rise, you know, in mobile has been TikTok because of the type of content and the way that it's structured. Um, so I think you really have to understand, you know, who these users are, why they're going, and then when they're there, what they're doing and how they're communicating with each other on those platforms natively. 
okay, so, you know, there's the expression that the fundamentals never change. It, putting this into the context of OSINT, and more specifically an OSINT investigation, no matter what, you have to start with understanding what you're investigating, or in the case of people investigation, understanding who you're investigating. The more you understand about them, the more, I guess, clues you might have where else to find them. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like much of open source intelligence when it comes to investigating individuals or entities is finding how to map out an entire digital record of somebody, starting with something that's a verifiable point, like a Facebook profile or an email address or something like that, and expanding that investigation beyond that one data point. And so you have to figure out how to take the information you have and pivot it across these different networks to kind of not only find additional information, but then verify it as well. And there's a, a plethora of issues that come with that when we're talking about cross-platform pollination, if you will. Um, you know, what types of information on Facebook are going to be relevant for you to find a parlor account? Or, you know, even more difficult, how can a parlor account help you find someone's signal, right? Or someone's, find out if someone's on a Discord channel somewhere, right? So you have to kind of know what data points are the most valuable in the setting that you're in. And then what you can do with those data points to find more. And then once you find more, where to go from there. So in a lot of ways, it's an organizational problem of data. But then in, in many other ways, which I'm sure we'll discuss later, um, what tools do you use in general to even get this type of information? Or, or where do you go to find more? Certainly. In your experience, when people are, say, leaving a mainstream platform, do they change their behaviors or do the people stay the same? Like my suspicion would be if someone's like, oh, I'm going to get off Twitter because they're censoring me or I just don't agree with the way they're doing business. I'm going to jump on a Twitter alternative. And they might be taken with this false sense of freedom or this false sense of security and start sharing way more than they would have on Twitter because they think the platform they're on is, you know, quote, free. Uh, have you ever seen any of that or do people pretty much behave the same just on a different platform? I think it really depends on the type of user. I kind of like to break it down in two different ways. People who are seeking attention, somebody you would call an influencer, will likely go to another platform and maintain all of their same biography, right? They'll keep their same name. They'll keep their same you know, information that they put on a platform and then they will pump out content to try to gain followers on a new platform rather than an old one that they either like you said, disagree with and move to a different platform or they get censored from. So if you're looking for that type of person, I feel like there is a certain amount of consistency across platforms. However, if you're looking at somebody who's more of a consumer of information who may follow these influences instead of being an influencer themselves, there is a wild amount of inconsistency across there. People will use different email addresses. They'll use different usernames, different, you know, Reddit's a good example. I feel like everybody alive has at least four Reddit accounts, you know, with different usernames. And so it really depends on the type of person you're looking for um, or the type of business you're looking for. Cause many people operate the same way from a business standpoint. Um, so yeah, you have to really define the scope of your investigation and what type of, you know, investigation it is. And then from there you can, um, sort of build out your expectations. Okay. 
So in this vast sea of alternate social media platforms, is there a method to even keep track of them? Is there like a mailing list I'm not on? Maybe chores, <laughs> but like, how do you even like get hip to the rise of some of these, you know, brand new platforms? Like, you know, like when did you, like, how did you first hear about Parler, for example? I'll just use that one as an example. Yeah. Um, great question. So in many ways, these platforms are trying to find you. You're not trying to find the platform, right? Because their whole game is trying to get as many active users as possible. So if you want to stay in touch with, you know, where all of this is moving, you have to put yourself in a place where they're targeting their users, right? So as a great example with Parler, they're trying to get people off of Twitter and Facebook because of this notion that um, content is being censored, right? And so if you look on those platforms for that type of information, you'll likely find it. You'll find people that are moving from one to another. They'll say, hey, come follow me on Parler, something like that. Likewise, I mean, there's tons of news organizations that are out there that specifically track this kind of stuff and they report on social media and technology changes, um, subscribing to that kind of stuff or building a custom RSS feed for specific types of things like that can be very helpful. Um, but a lot of times too, I mean, I learned most of what I learned about social media platforms within the OSINT community. I think Kirby had posted something about uh, uh, Parler and all these different new platforms all at once saying, you know, get your guides ready for these types of platforms. And so in many ways, I first hear about them from a request for information or request for more. Okay. That's actually a great pivot into my next question. Um, if a lot of these platforms are, if not clones, you know, very similar to something that we're all familiar with, do a lot of the old techniques still apply? Or it's like, oh man, the, you know, the way I did this on Twitter does not work on Parler or, you know, OSINT is OSINT. You just have to understand the nuances of this new platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the same fundamentals apply, right? Um, the intelligence cycle still applies. The, uh, the OSINT mindset, if you will, um, which is natively thinking like the intelligence cycle, in my opinion, that still applies. However, there's actually a strange phenomenon that happens with social media, right? the techniques may or may not apply depending on the type of content that is available on that platform. So with TikTok, for example, it is a video first platform, right? Everything is video. And so if you're trying to do text mining or you're trying to do OSINT by searching for keywords and things like that, you will not find what you're looking for, or you'll find a very limited version. You know, the same thing goes if, you know, you have a video and you're trying to search within platforms that are text-based, you're gonna have an issue there as well. But the interesting phenomenon is when a feature or a type of feature becomes popular, more mainstream platforms will adopt it. So just to give some history on this, Instagram stories came from the success of Snapchat. The new feed that you see within Instagram um, for videos where you can kind of scroll up came from TikTok, you know, and then Twitter fleets, you know, came from the success of Instagram stories, which copied it from, Snapchat. And so in many ways, learning how new platforms design their features and how influencers on those platforms use them can may also be helpful for mainstream platforms when it loops back around. So it's important to understand how these platforms work in and out as if you're a user, but then also seeing how the most 
influential people on those platforms are using them. But there's a huge problem here, which, you know, I think is worth discussing is many people in the OSINT community are a text first investigative, you know, that's their process is they, they search for keywords within platforms and things like that. And as we're seeing with a lot more of these mobile apps is what do we do when the, all of the content is an image or all the content are videos or in the case of podcasts or what we're seeing with Clubhouse, it's all audio, right? So we have to expand the way that we think and we have to manage our expectations across platforms. Otherwise we're going to see, or it's going to seem like these platforms have no information that's valuable to us. And we're going to skip them and we're going to rely on old platforms that are either losing traction or they're staying stagnant. You just made me think of like three different things all at once. So I'll try not to <laughs> blend them all together. Um, the first thing that I thought of was really understanding what an OSINT investigation is in the context of social media. You have to have a very fundamental understanding, like you said, of not necessarily what people are sharing, but how they're sharing their content and then how people are consuming that content. I think if you, if you get that, then you're going to be in a really good place. So if you understand, you know, Hey, people on Instagram are sharing these little snapshots of their lives and people are consuming it and leaving comments. Um, if you understand that dynamic, you're going to be set up to investigate something on, on Instagram. Um, I like what you said about us being text first, um, command line or nothing at all. And that, that made me think about kind of the current state of OSINT tools. Um, I've said on more than one podcast, I don't like tools, <laughs> um, or I don't like tools for beginners. Um, so many of the tools, not only are they, are they text-based, but they're just automating a text process, normally speaking. You know, if you're using what's my name, which I love, is really just going after text and then spitting you text back. You know, if you're using Harvester to try to find email addresses, that's just text from an API. Um, so many of these tools that are API-driven are just returning a JSON payload or some other text payload that your tool then presents to you in a nice format. Um, so I guess in a certain light, OSINT tools have really been outpaced by the evolution of the different platforms. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's a huge focus of my work as of late is that transition and how to get ahead of it, right? OSINT, in my opinion right now, currently sits within traditional investigative spaces like law enforcement, government, uh, insurance, and those types of things, as well as, you know, kind of a recon perspective um, for cybersecurity professionals. But a lot of people don't talk about the intersection that's beginning to unfold with data science and the technologies that are coming out there. So just to name a few things, uh, optical character re recognition is becoming inexpensive enough to allow us to process images and convert them into text in a way that's going to allow us to um, still search for content without the content being text itself. Likewise, you have object recognition that's going to 
derive concepts out of images that allow us to search via text. I don't think we're ever gonna get beyond the searching via text. I mean, we have things like reverse image search and we have things like facial recognition, but at the scale that we're operating at with the amount of content that's being produced, it's very, very difficult for us to, um, you know, search everything by an image or, or search within images, you know, for things. Uh, likewise with audio, speech to text is becoming very inexpensive as well. So I think the intersection of those three things, optical character recognition, object detection, and then speech to text is gonna allow us to take all of those different types of medium that we see across images, videos, and audio into a text format so that the, the processes that we have to search, uh, which are text-based, like you mentioned, across tools and across manual processes, we're still gonna be able to do that and still be able to look at these different types of, um, of media. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to moving, moving forward is how to integrate those types of technologies into the OSINT process so that we aren't missing out on incredibly valuable content that's being published. Absolutely. And I, I never even considered the intersection of data science and OSINT. Um, it'll be fascinating to see, to see that relationship mature and move forward. Um, maybe to take it back towards the beginning, you know, if, if, if there's like the big three or the big four traditional social media platforms, what are the next four or the next three, um, in your experience, are there some go-tos that are pretty, pretty resource rich after Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, TikTok, I think is going to be the major heavy hitter for the next five to 10 years. Um, primarily because the demographic that sits on TikTok on a regular basis is going to be anywhere between 10 and 35 years old um, with many, many people in younger demographics, not even owning Facebook accounts, not even owning Twitter accounts, things like that. As far as content richness, it depends on how you're comparing it. If you're going to compare it to Facebook or LinkedIn, that is data rich in many different ways. You can get, you know, a history of photos, you can get co-workers, you can get family members, friends, all kinds of different types of content. TikTok, like I mentioned, is video first, but there's tons of information that's available. Um, the first and foremost thing is if someone's taking a video of themselves, you know that that's them. Like you can verify that very quickly. Unlike Facebook and Twitter, where a lot of people reshare stuff and there's videos of other people and it's hard to weed out who's who, with TikTok, you know for a fact that that's them if you can see them dancing around in a picture or doing you know, some comedic skit or something like that. In addition, there's comment sections that are you know, gonna lead you to other people's profiles that um, are gonna have different types of information. And because of the nature of TikTok, it's very public. You know, people are posting videos because they want to be seen. Unlike Facebook, where it's more of a closed network or LinkedIn, where it's more professional. Uh, TikTok, people want to get noticed. And so they're going to do a lot of different things to get noticed, include, including sharing information. And now like TikTok doesn't disrespect the legacy of older platforms. They allow you to connect your Instagram to the page, YouTube, a variety of other different things in your biography that you can link. And so TikTok being a focus of your investigation for the younger demographic can also lead you to other things um, that are more traditional, like, uh, like I'd mentioned. Okay. Um, are there any alternate platforms and alternate platform might be the wrong word. Um, 
where else, like where else can we look as OSINT investigators, maybe outside of what would traditionally be considered social media? Um, trying to think any an example that comes to mind might be like, you know, you kind of mentioned clubhouse, which is, you know, to, you know, to a large extent social media, but, um, matrix chat rooms, um, forums. Well, yeah, I'm not crafting this question very well, but like there's, I feel like there's so much more out there that isn't social media, right? but it's, but it's like social media adjacent. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think people make the mistake often in the OSINT community, especially people new to the field of focusing only on social media and outside social media, there's nothing to be found. Um, I just think, you know, it's, it's a difficult uh, concept to understand because, you know, you'll see Sockment being thrown out there, social media intelligence, and then it kind of gets interchanged with OSINT. Um, but there's tons of information that's available out there that you will not be able to find on social media that still will be valuable for your investigation. Um, you had mentioned a few. You, you see a lot of people going, you know, depending on the scope of your investigation, we'll go to forums like 4chan and 8chan and they'll remain anonymous and they'll be able to, you know, chat with similar people. I'd mentioned Utopia is like a P2P client that people can download. And it's like, it's almost like an AOL online from, you know, early 2000s. Uh, people are, are, are becoming more privacy centric, right? You know, all these different data breaches that are happening with social media is leading them to more closed networks. So you're going to have to do a little bit more legwork to be able to get inside some of these networks if you consider that even open source intelligence at all you know joining discord channels slack channels or slack groups um rocket chat for something you know something like osint team um you know and then there's some things that i i don't i, I think are beyond the purview of open source intelligence in general which are like messaging apps like telegram whatsapp whatever once you make that interaction with the person it kind of you know escapes the open source portion of that intelligence cycle. Um, but there's tons of information that's out there that I think is super valuable. Wrapping your head around what's out there for breach data, leak data, dark web uh, information, um, as well as looking at, you know, more of the traditional stuff that can be super helpful, court records, uh, arrest records. Um, and then looking out to, you know, see what's going on with uh, their local area or their family or their friends. There's tons of different, uh, avenues of information collection that are beyond social media that um, that I think we have to take into consideration. And it's difficult in sometimes because the way that people communicate seem to be shifting over time. And a lot of things like Snapchat, you can't get into without engaging with that person, but it's a challenge. And I think that um, as tools develop and as um, different types of platforms come out, whether they're social or not, um, it, it's gonna give us consistent amounts of, uh, information in different ways. Certainly. So maybe to get a little bit more focused, um, you find a new platform, then what, <laughs> like, do you have kind of like a, a checklist or a playbook? Like, Hey, I've heard about, you know, this break, you know, we'll just, we'll just use parlor as an example. Hey, yep. okay. I heard parlors hot. I'm going to check it out. Okay, now what? Um, do you want to walk through that process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to call it deconstructing social media. And I've done it for a variety of different platforms, TikTok, Telegram, 
uh, parlor. You can see stuff that we posted um, on my employer's blog uh, scope now. But um, what I like to do, it, it's kind of a multi-step process because social media can behave in a different way depending on the type of user you are. If you're a guest on the page, the content might look differently than if you're logged into the page. And so you really have to map it out. So the first thing that I do is I like to check the search indexes like Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, whichever one you want to use to see what has been indexed from that platform on, you know, within their search results. I check there first because that's something that's going to give me a general idea of how the site is mapped out, how posts are listed, how profiles are listed, how different types of content are mapped out to their domain. From there, I get on the site itself. I check to see if they have a site map. I check to see different types of subdomains that they may have. And just to get a general idea of, uh, of, of how broad of an investigation there might be. You know, um, if there's a particular subdomain that holds uh, profiles, then I'll be able to query that in the search engine specifically, things like that. The next thing I'll do is I will see how much can I see when I'm not logged in. Can I get around the registration page? Like if you can go directly to someone's profile versus having to log in first. Twitter's a good example of that. And Parler in many cases is an example of that too. Mapping out, because in a lot of times, like if, if you're going to do some automation and scraping and things like that, it's very easy for you to do it without a login. However, if you need to actually authenticate and create an account and log in and get content that way, it's much more difficult and you need to do something more specific to the platform. Then what I do is I like to map out what the login process looks like. So look at the terms of services and the privacy, like what's actually at risk? How sophisticated of a sock puppet do I need to create? Do I need to use a burner phone or can I use like a VoIP phone or something like that? Will it allow me or will it not? In many cases with new social media platforms, their security is really not that tight. You don't really need to create a super sophisticated sock puppet like on platforms like Gab and Parler to operate on it. Whereas on Facebook, you practically have to create a, a real alternate person at this point. Um, once I'm in and I've, I've really paid attention to what happens when you log in. And what I mean by that is, do they ask me for my email and my password when I log in? Do they ask me to create a username when I log in? Do they ask me any other information like my birth date, security questions, whatever? And that way I know what the platform is holding and what they're not and what they're doing with that information and what they're not. I look at my email to see if they give me verification stuff. Is there two-factor authentication? All different types of things just to see what the landscape of that is. In the case with Parler, this is a great example. When you register with your email, it automatically takes the username of your email, you know, uh, Tom Trace Labs at tracelabs.com or whatever, and it'll take that Tom Trace Labs and that's now your username if it's available. And so you can very easily reverse an email into a username on Parler in that case. Whereas with Gab, they actually ask you what your username, what username that you would like during the registration process, which means that it's not necessarily indicative that an email will equal a profile. So I pay attention to things like that and really see what it's like from a user perspective. Then once I'm in and I've logged all that information and I really understand it, then I go to see how information is shared, right? What types, what types of information am I looking for? Is this platform mostly people posting images or are they mostly posting text? Um, what are the big influencers doing? Uh, what types of features they're using? And more importantly, what features they're not using so that I can kind of focus my attention on what I need to look for. And then lastly, you know, just monitoring over time and adjusting over time. A good example of this was uh, Instagram allowed you to start tagging 
locations on stories. And it was kind of a, a weird feature that they didn't advertise very well, but from an OSINT perspective, it was a, it was a huge capability from a skip tracing perspective. You could see where somebody was at any given time because they tagged their location over time and things like that. So really monitoring where the platform goes over time um, and seeing how it changes so that you don't uh, miss out on an opportunity. Cause in many ways, these, um, these features are often temporary. Like what we saw with like Facebook graph is like, it was temporary. It was there, then it was gone. And then all the capabilities and information you pulled through that are now also gone. So you just have to really pay attention. And, and, um, and if you have to babysit your sock puppet, definitely uh, make sure you're going in and doing regular interactions and things like that. So there's a whole process. And it's also really important to communicate with other people in the OSINT community because I often find that there are blind spots along the way that I just didn't consider, or uh, there was a piece of information that I missed or an aspect that I missed. So sharing that information is super valuable because it'll make you better. It'll make other people better. And um, it'll ultimately, you know, streamline the OSINT process. Certainly. And uh, now we're going to take a brief moment of silence for Facebook graph search. Okay. And right. we're back. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> oh, um, I bought um, Mike Basil's OSINT Techniques 7th edition that was like published like literally like right before that got nuked. And it's like, oh, sorry, guys, this <laughs> this worked for three months ago. <laughs> yeah, that's really an issue with OSINT is that it changes so frequently that publications of all varieties, no matter how detailed or no, no matter how evergreen they might seem, could completely change, you know, within a year time frame. And so uh, what Michael Bowles is doing is great by doing an update every two years or so. But it's definitely something that uh, at the pace, like you had mentioned earlier on in the podcast, um, and how quickly things are accelerating and may have to happen on an annual basis or sooner um, at this rate. Yeah. Um, but to just reflect back on what you did just explain to us, there was so much value there. We could probably do the entire podcast on what you just explained to me, but you did so many things before even setting up an account. Um, I think when a lot of us, at least over in the Trace Labs community, think of OSINT, it's web browsing. It's going through social media and trying to connect dots. People might not have intended to be connected. But what you described was a very robust understanding of, you know, how the web, how the web dev side of it works. Like how, you know, if if you can get to someone's platform with just platform.com slash username, knowing that is huge. You know, that makes, you know, automation and search so much easier than if it's just a randomized, you know, 64 character string. Um, so approaching it with that level of detail at the beginning, I mean, just obviously sets you up for success. And I really liked how you mentioned um, just paying attention to the process. What are they asking for? What are they not asking for? How are, you know, are, how are they creating my username? Um, what, the, you know, what they email me when I signed up, um, paying attention to all of those things is probably going to pay dividends in general, but especially when you're trying to understand a brand new platform. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's really just a surface level. I mean, there's some of that should, that goes into that, you know, what happens on a password reset? Does it show your email? Does it not show your email? Uh, when you put an email in, does it verify that an email exists or not? Or does it just 
um, say if an email exists, then we'll send one to uh, to that email address for a password reset. And then also things like are images hosted in a way that they can be extracted or are they behind some type of obfuscation or like are there ways to get around it? Like there's so much dissection and mapping out of a social platform that you need to do before you can really begin to comfortably web browse, like you had mentioned, through the platform. Because once you do find something of value, you need to be able to know it, the full extent of what that value actually is. Um, you know, does this platform keep EXIF data or, or does it not? Um, does this user need to verify their their identity like the, with a driver's license or a passport like what we saw with Parler or not? Um, you know, there's a variety of different things that you need to look at instead of just, you know, heading straight into it and then realizing, oh, there's nothing useful here. I'm going to wait until it, and see if it still sticks around after a couple of years and then I'll add it to my workflow. Absolutely. Something else you said made me think of a question. Um, these social media platforms by the very design want people on them. They want us to find them. They want us to engage with them. And it almost feels like there's kind of like a gold rush going on. You know, everyone's always wanted to create the next Instagram or the next Facebook, but with the acceleration that I've witnessed, I feel like people might be pumping out these products, you know, incredibly fast and are either cutting corners when it comes to maybe user security or just how they're, like you said, how they're hosting their data they're either cutting their, they're either cutting corners or just completely forgetting the corners like need to exist. Um, do you feel like these newer social media platforms maybe expose more data than a traditional Facebook or Instagram that's been through several iterations of trying to actually like lock down and clean up data? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they go through the same growing pains that Facebook went through. It's not as if Facebook has never had a breach or Instagram has never had a breach, right? I mean, some of the biggest data breaches of all time came from Snapchat and LinkedIn as far as the type of PII that was in them. Um, I feel like they go through the growing uh, pains. They mainly, they don't see it from a privacy and security standpoint when it comes to actually like securing that data. I mean, they're so they're so focused on active users because obviously they're not getting a revenue stream. They're not getting paid for every person that logs on. So their whole value proposition is how many active users do I have? Do I have? And they rush to that number as fast as they humanly can. Um, and, and that's where a lot of these flaws get um, exposed is in that process of just completely ignoring anything beyond the peripheral and just tunnel visioning in to get as big as possible, as fast as possible. Nice. Okay. Well, to maybe bring it back around full circle, um, what's your final thought or thoughts on alternate social media platforms, especially for the beginner? Um, you know, for someone who's new to OSINT, what are some things you would like to leave them with when it comes to these next, next generation platforms? Yeah, I think we touched on it a bit throughout the conversation is never ditch the fundamentals for a quick solution. So people are very quick to go to tools that will extract this data or this whatever, but ignoring the fundamentals of really understanding the intelligence cycle and getting beyond collection, getting into analysis, getting into the so what, why is this important? Um, properly archiving your information, 
um, authenticating it, those types of things, and not jumping to conclusions. I think that's really important. So when you go to these alternate social media platforms, it could be very, uh, it could be very, what's the word, uh, easy for you to say, oh, I found this username on Twitter and I reversed it onto Parler and these profiles might be the same. Um, and I'm going to assume that they're the same and then make a false attribution, right? So um, because it's going to be kind of a wild, wild west on these uh, alternate platforms for a while with a lot of people creating accounts and then abandoning them because they didn't actually like the platform, we're going to see a lot of empty profiles, a lot of dead ends. And so it's something to keep in mind that um, it's not going to be a quick solution. And it's, these are likely going to be here for a while. And some of them might go away. Some of them might stick around. But it's important that you pay attention to all of them regardless, because you never know if Parler is going to be the next Twitter or not, despite, you know, whatever the media tells you. And you don't know if TikTok is actually going to last or not, or if it's going to be like Vine, where one day it's gone. Um, so really pay attention, um, understand how the influencers on these platforms are using them, um, and, and really just staying ahead of it so that you don't get stuck in a situation where you need to get information off of this platform and then you have to learn the entire platform from scratch within the time frame that you're working with. Like with Trace Labs, with the CTFs that you guys run, if you find a TikTok profile, you know, along the way during the CTF, knowing ahead of time how to really pivot and move around on that platform in advance is going to be very helpful, especially if you're working within a, a small time frame. So uh, be a student of OSINT and be a, uh, a student of social media. And I think that you'll be in a good position. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself, although I might later and just claim that I did. So, you know, <laughs> if you if you hear about this amazing thing that Tom at Trace Lab said, it's probably going to sound pretty familiar. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, does I think that's all the questions I had. Uh, anything else you'd like to add or kind yeah, of? Yeah, I mean, mind? I feel like you know we talked about the different types of you know alternate social medias that are coming up. We talked about the different types of technology that they're using and how we have to expand beyond um, text-based thinking when approaching them. Um, I'd like to, you know, maybe we can do this in a, in a conversation in the future, talk about some other aspects of, of collection and, and how to do them, you know, things like augmented reality, virtual reality, the things that are on, on the forefront that we haven't seen yet, but we likely will. Or, you know, um, since we spoke about sock puppets and things like that, you know, what about deep fakes? What do we, you know, how can we avoid deception when we're doing OSINT um, and being led down the wrong path, whether accidentally or on purpose? Because um, while we get more sophisticated in OSINT, the adversary is also getting more sophisticated and um, the, the diversion tactics are actually getting pretty strong. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we can do more episodes. <laughs> this is not a one-time deal. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see like the, the platforms are changing, but the technology's not, it's still just pictures and text and comments and likes and subscribes. Um, but something like VR or, or even augmented reality that, that could be a whole paradigm shift, you know, people, right. ex I mean, people existing in a fake real world. So now, you know, let's just say you're chilling out in this VR space. Now you have to actually observe how they're interacting with other people as if you were sitting in your car outside the uh, nightclub or whatever, you know, like the old school detectives. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We're coming full circle. I mean, Clubhouse is an audio-based app where you have to sit there and listen like you're a guy intercepting a phone call. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're one big flagship hardware piece from the shift to AR or VR. You know, if we're, we're one Apple smart glasses away from an AR social media platform, you know, or a VR social media platform. And then once again, it's going to come full circle where you need to passively observe as if you're in the room versus, uh, you know, hiding behind sock puppets, if you will. So yeah. um, I think that'll be interesting. And that's definitely something we'll see over the next five to 10 years for sure. Jake, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. This has been incredibly enlightening. Um, I've never felt so old in my entire life. There's this entire part of the OSINT community I am not familiar with, but I'm dedicated to getting more familiar with. I just subscribed to your newsletter, by the way. If other people want to find you online, where can they find you at? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, if people wanted to check out anything that I'm writing or uh, anything I'm working on, you can usually find me on Twitter at Jake Kreps, um, LinkedIn. I'll be posting some stuff there as well. And I recently relaunched my blog um, at jakekreps.com. I'm putting out two pieces of content a week. One is going to look at, you know, um, the different types of tools you can use in your workflow, or the other one's going to look at what that workflow actually is going to look like. And uh, like you had mentioned, I have a newsletter um, where you can get that stuff straight to your inbox instead of having to go on the site itself. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. I look forward to our next conversation. Uh, me too. Thanks. This has been another episode of Breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org, on Twitter, at tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs>